This is Rob Greenlee from the Speaker Live Show. You're listening to Vroom Vroom. vroom I can't say it. Vroom Sorry. Vroom, <laughs> That's where you were almost. It's you like, were almost don't say that like three times. Yeah, say say I, I Vroom Vroom Veneer three times fast. Yeah, it's, it comes out Vroom Vroom Veneer. That, you know, we should change it. It does. It, it, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, that, but that doesn't sound authentic. That's like, a, it's like saying something like you're skin deep. You know, you don't want to say that. Right. Vroom Vroom Veneer. Vroom vroom veer. Yeah, I need to it. say it a few times. It is vroom, hard. Veer. Vroom vroom veer. Yes. Right. It's because yeah, it's of the tongue, V's. It's a tongue twister. Correct. Yeah, it's too many V's in a row. I'm not. It's just not possible to, to I've actually had, get I it had up. one guy say vroom vroom veer, which isn't even a word, <laughs> but I left it in because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's, you can let's, try again. let's try to get there. This is Rob Greenlee from the Spreaker Live Show. You're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. Well done, sir. Thank you. And I'm leaving all that outtake stuff in, too. All right. So Okay, sounds good. <laughs> I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, Jeff. I'm excited to have a conversation, listen to quite a few of your shows. Great stuff. So Thank awesome you, show. sir. Yeah. You know, my job is just to laugh here and be an idiot and let you smart people, you know, say smart things. <laughs> well, hopefully you can pull that off. So yeah. yeah I'll, well, I'll, I'll try to give you a hand. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. So you are at um, curationsuite.com. And, uh, and that is actually looking like a really cool outfit there. Uh, I was playing around with it, and then you were like, hey, let's do this show thing. And I'm like, mm, all right. <laughs> so talk a little bit about what, what you got going on at Curation Suite before we uh, go back into your past and have a therapy session. Sure, great. Well, Curation Suite is a content curation tool. And basically, if you don't know what content curation is, it's giving you the ability to build authority uh, publish content quicker. It's actually the quickest way to publish content is with curation. And it's a tool that helps you discover content, publish faster. And there's a lot to it. We've been around four years. So we're really, the nice way to say that we have a lot of features is we're feature rich. Uh, but it's a, it's a tool that's used by bloggers, authority builders, coaches, small businesses every single day. It sounds like uh, it's fun. So uh, I noticed it's a WordPress, WordPress plugin, right? Yeah, at this time, although okay. I'm not officially going to announce anything, but uh, okay. we're working on things behind <laughs> okay. the scenes that's sure. going to be pretty exciting. So, <clears throat> Well, that's neat. Still, yeah. you know, most people are using WordPress, right? So, you know, I think 80 or 90% of all the, word, uh, all the websites out there are now WordPress. So it's not a bad place to be, right? I think your number is a little off, but uh, I'm, I'm, I would I'm say... Throwing, I'm spitballing as usual. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think it's 30 to, to 40%. But, <laughs> oh, really? You know, oh, that's a lot lower the word than I get, thought. WordPress guys would love to hear the 80 to 90. But, okay. um, All right. Yeah, Most. but but Not I think now. private blogs are at that 
at that point. But uh, right. it does power a big part of the web. That's one of the reasons why we've always been WordPress first because sure. it's it's got such a great ecosystem and uh, it it makes it uh, easier for us to focus on just our lane, right? Which right. is content curation and helping right. you publish right. quicker. So and automation and all that fun stuff. Okay, oh. so we got a little taste of what's what's going on. We we did a little bit of promo for Curation Suite, so now we can have some fun. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so let's let's go back in time and talk about Scott like. I don't know. Give us some fun, like growth stories from when you were younger. I know you were in the military for a while. You want to talk a little bit about being in the army? Yeah, I can give you just a brief overview. Of, some funny story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was on a terrible path in life. I was a, I was a not. Uh, I didn't finish high school, and oh, okay. uh, one one day I, I woke up. Uh, some stuff happened, and uh, I went to the army recruiter and said I need to join the army. I need and, to get out of here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was in the Air Force, and that is not an uncommon story. Yeah. And, so you know, I thought, it. Yeah. I, I took everything, what he said, of faith, joined, uh, and wow. I had a great time. Shipped over to Italy, loved uh -huh. the Army. It changed my life, turned me around. I right, wouldn't be right. where I am today. Uh, loved the people. But I also realized pretty early on that uh, I wasn't built for the Army. You know, you're not, you're not supposed to ask questions. You know, there's right, that's one of the right, biggest right, things. Right, right, right. Shut up in color I, is very big. Yeah. Yeah. In the military. Right. I always had a a problem with that because I would be consistently questioning the efficiency of our U.S. Army. When when we're in war, we would do really well. Uh, right. That's what I right. learned. I was, oh yeah, I was, yeah. You're right. I was. This is before the modern era. Shipped over to Bosnia, so I I, I got to see kind of the army added efficiency that when you're not at war or you're not in kind of some kind of mission that's yeah. critical, it's a whole different world and it it's is. very frustrating. I'm sure any no, uh, it, vets yeah. would share that. Uh, that was a common theme that I noticed and we, it, it started popping up, uh, I think like desert storm time, the first, mm -hmm. the first great war in the desert with Schwarzkopf and, and daddy Bush. Yep. was uh, the, the common theme at home after people came back from the deployment was everything works in the desert. Everything works at war, right? It's yep. like everybody's working really hard. Everybody's super committed. You know, anybody not working hard is shunned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it puts everybody in line. Everybody right. does everybody their job. Everybody just and... lines up and does their job. You're right. You know, so. Kind but, of treats you like an adult is, is the it, other yeah, aspect. Exactly. So. A little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. A little it's, bit more. You know, the longer you're there and, you know, the, you know, I had two deployment experiences. I was in 59 days in Saudi Arabia during the end of that period. So it was uh, 2002 before we went back in 2003 uh, with uh, W. Bush. And um, so I was part of that uh, OEFIEF. It was Operation, what was it? Southern Watch, Northern Watch. We were on Southern Watch. And oh. uh, yeah, one of my troopies in the, I was in the personnel office, right? And yep. she was just, I don't know where she was like tall, blonde, E4, and was stationed at some base in California. And obviously had zero, zero adult supervision at home. And she, <laughs> she just thought she could talk to anybody anyway. And getting me in trouble every day. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that is, after I fixed that, then it was a good deployment. 
Well, that's the other great thing about the service is you do meet a diverse range of people right, and, right. you know, and you're forced into situations. So that was my fondest memories of, the, of that time is, is actually it's, it's the people, the, you know, just the, uh, it just, just the relationships and just, I, that's what I remember from that. Right. I mean, and, and my job, well, I didn't do my job because I knew about computers, but Good my job oh, was, yeah, you can uh, get away with that in the army. Yeah. Especially back then. And this is yeah. in the late nineties. So I was a rarity. I was like, you can the, always get away with that in war. I had a friend that did that, but continue your story. Well, and that's the thing. The brass were like, you know, computers, you're, you're our memo guy. You're our computer guy. You're right. this. And, and right. so right. that was rare back then. But my job was a parachute rigger. And this is a lesson I've took to even today that I think a lot of people could take is they have, the Army has a really good way to keep you honest as a parachute rigger is as someone that packs the parachutes for the right. paratroopers. Right, right. But it's a hugely and, important job. <clears throat> Exactly. And they pack tanks and Jeeps to throw out of planes and stuff. And so they, they have a really good way to keep you honest. Basically, once a month, you at random jump a pack, uh, jump a chute, a parachute that you packed yourself. So <laughs> that's a good policy. Six, that's yeah, a really good policy. Six, yeah. Six months ago. And so you're a you know, 18, 19 year old guy in Italy. You know, you're partying like crazy, as, as you probably would be. And you're thinking as you're in that plane, Geez, was this the night that I uh, decided not to sleep for two days and went to the club and got back and just got back in time to to do PT and I could barely stay awake? Was this the shoot that I packed that day? So it it really uh, <laughs> you know focuses your mind to say okay. But no, you're the, right. I get it. Yes. The key lesson I learned is that it's about systems. And, you know, they, they have various it, checks yeah. at various points in time. And there's some things you could do that could drastically screw up your uh, your day if you leave some things in a parachute. But there's checks. So there's there's two or three people that check your stuff. You sign it off. The person that's watching you signs it off. And then the person that's watching them signs off on the parachute. So you have three people right. at a minimum. And then you have two more people once you jump to actually look at your stuff. So it, it, it that instilled in me something that I uh, – I'm a self-taught software developer, but also just in business in general of it's really about systems. And if you if you do anything more than once, design a system and and treat it as if you're going to put a parachute on your back and jump out of a plane because it is that critical to your business. You're right. Yeah, that's a really good lesson. Wow. See, thankfully, <clears throat> I never had anything really like. I was like, first I started out an admin and then I, I ended up being sort of like a office level computer network guy. Mm -hmm. And so nothing like, I didn't have any sort of like life threatening failures, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I get it, you know, like it's hard to believe that like mistakes still happen in situations yeah. like that. When there's so many checks and, and, you know, I, I can't remember when, but not too long ago, there was some like the air force accidentally flew some, um, nuclear weapons across the, the United States, which is not supposed to happen. Right. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm like, how does that, <laughs> you know, I, they're nukes for crying out loud. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> you would think someone would be watching that. One would hope. You would hope. Yeah, yeah, one would hope. So that meant that, you know, you just talked about like, you know, multiple layers and uh, avoiding those single points of failure, right? Yep. How many people had to screw up for those nukes to cross the country when they weren't supposed to, right? Wow. Yikes. Anyway, so, okay. So you were in the army. How long were you in? 
I was only in for three years. So oh, wow, you got a lot I, of army in in three years. Yeah, I knew. I've you know I did the one thing too. I volunteered for stuff, but that actually mm-hmm. did me well. So they everybody told me not to volunteer, but everything I volunteered for, uh, it it was an experience. So and I always felt better off than what my rest of my unit was doing. So Interesting. I tended to do that. Yeah, I got out. Uh, the, Got out and, uh, you know, I, I was, as I was getting out, I was running a record label. So wow. I started a record label over in, in Europe Holy and, cow. uh, I just got out and stayed over there. And one of the things I, this is, you know, in business and life, you always look back and you say, well, I wish I knew what I know now, or at least, yeah. you know, that's a, it's not something I dwell on, but You're you know, right. I was doing good with the record label. And, and the reason why is because I was an American with American culture and had American contacts in a place, uh, Germany, France, Italy, where it was valuable to have American contacts. Because if you had an American artist on your, you know, your tour, your, your music, anything else, the culture, you know, they, there is a kind of a thing over there. It was that they didn't like Americans, but they love American culture. I mean, they do, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a good thing to kind of hate America, but then they love the culture, right? Right, right, right. No, I and that was that a, too. Yeah, it was a competitive advantage. Uh, and if I would have realized that now, I think I would have been ten times what my business was. Um, mm. But, but uh, you know that that was kind of my start of my entrepreneurship. Uh, How did you get into path. that? So, like, you were doing it part time already while you were still in the army. Yeah, so I was at, you know, there's these, uh, so there's these guys that said, hey, we're going to go to a studio. Someone invited us to the studio and said, you want to come along? Right. And I got in there and it was ran by computers and I knew about computers. Ah, so I was watching right. the guy do it. And Your the guy had to, comes again. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> the guy had to take off whatever. And I said, and, th- you know, they had a whole night plan. I said, you know, I probably could do this. It doesn't look that hard. Right. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Sure. But. You I just, just got in there and started pushing buttons. Figure shit <laughs> so, out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The best skill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then I've always been, you know, I've learned this about myself. Uh, I'm, I'm for someone that needs to deep dive and get analytical and do research. And, and the next day I did research and I said, you know, being a producer is not kind of where it's at. It's actually the uh, person that owns the label and, and owns the rights and other stuff. So I said, yeah, I should focus more on the business, but still understand enough about the process okay. to help out artists. So that's okay. kind of where I, that's, that's the start. Wow. That's, yeah. that's just totally random where you're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Did that work out? Did you fumble your way through it and do a good job or? Yeah, I did. Like I said, it was, I would consider we made great money, did good. But, you know, I, I, uh, towards the, when I moved back to the States, um, you know, as life happens, I met, I met a woman and had a, a child and that changed the path of my life. Of course. And, uh, that would be a veer. Yeah. A veer. It's one of those and, things uh, you just have to deal with, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, you know, anybody that's a parent knows, you know, it, it there's, it does change you. I mean, most people it changes. So it changed me. And, uh, that's when I got into technical consulting. I just fell into it. It was during the dot com era. So it was easy for me to just, right. I literally showed up at a dot com techies.com here in Minneapolis and, uh, said, I think I know this stuff. And they hired me as a senior developer. (laughs) Uh, So I know I laugh at it too today. That's that's then though. That was then. Yeah. Because everybody, it was all smoke and mirrors. Right. So, 
Well, you know what I learned, and this is... I don't, it's I good don't that you were consulting, because you were getting paid whether or not they would make money anyway, so... And this is another skill that I learned that I think that everybody uh, can learn, which is like, learn how to sell, learn how to sell with, with, with yourself and also copywriting, Mm. um, learn how to write, learn how to sell, because if you can write and you can copyright, it's a skill that no matter what you do in your life, no matter where you go, it's going to pay off in spades because you're, even if you're, you have to communicate with your kids via text message uh, you know, mm. Snapchat, whatever, right, right, right. your ability to capture someone's attention and persuade them with words or a message is powerful. And you'll use right. that. It doesn't matter what technology exists, 10, 20 years, your ability, if you understand the fundamentals of persuasion with writing and selling, you'll be off, you'll be well off and you'll be able to use it in whatever you do. Right. And I mentioned that because what I learned is that after uh, my dot com era, I became a consultant for places like U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, United Health Group, and uh, I was working with a, a an out head headhunting company that hired me out, and they started just sending me on interviews. And what I realized is that I was really good. At, I, I every job, every interview I went on, I got a job offer. But I, what I realized after a while is they were sending me an interview so they could learn more about what the, what they wanted at that job. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, wait a minute, wait I a minute. Met, you have to explain this because that's funny. So yeah. they they didn't they they were sending you. So wait a minute, you were employed by a company. Yeah, and I was a company. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were. So I was a consultant, consultant. for them, and, and right. you know how they work. They they you know their companies look for they need. Hey, I need a senior developer or someone to lead a development team. Right. You know, and you're basically a, a high level recruiter, basically headhunter, right? Well, they were, and then I was a technical consultant, so I was like the the lead developer, technical consultant, leaving development teams. Oh, okay. but they would, but they would they would say, okay, we got a job at you, you know an interview in U.S. Bank for a technical developer. Do you want to take it? And I'd take it. Um, and I was very, I wasn't picky. I just I, there, I was very clear on the kind of thing I wanted to work on. Okay, uh, but after a while. They started asking me, hey, you know, I know this job isn't a fit for you, but could you go to this interview and then just share with us kind of what they share with you? (laughs) (laughs) So they were using you as business intelligence. Yeah, exactly. And and I was kind of neat. I was kind of okay with it. Is that illegal or is it is it it, it, just immoral? (laughs) I think it's probably immoral. You know, I. Because every job, I remember the Car Soup was a local company here at the time, and they, they were they. This is the dot com era, so you know I don't know how it is now, but they were bending over backwards to get me to go there, like because I just I understood their problems, I clearly outlined in them in the interview what they need to do, and I gave them the exact like technology to do it, how to do it, how to set it up, like in the interview. So you basically it, solved their problem in the interview. Yeah, exactly, and. The challenge, they just didn't have someone to do it, right? So, ah, yeah. So, but, you know, that's the one that where I was like, you know, I just don't, this is okay. I just, you know, I just don't feel. Um, it made you feel icky. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. You felt yeah. icky. Yeah. You're like, I don't really want this job. I feel a little slimy. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting that's gig, though. It's an interesting sales. Gig. Yeah. Okay. I looked at every every opportunity as how do I sell myself 
in the interview? How do I sell myself after the interview? How do I sell myself in the pre-emails? How do I sell myself in everything is kind of the system I developed. Yeah. And, you know, that I've, I've stuck with even now. And I think anybody could benefit from that, that lesson, which is like, it's really just the, the ability of understanding salesmanship and, and training yourself as a life goal. Right. And then also understanding uh, writing and copywriting. If you have those two skills, those transfer over to anything you do in life. I don't care what it is. You're right. They will transfer over. So now uh, let me let me get your opinion on is there a difference in your mind between persuasion just as a, an idea and sales? Because I've been reading a lot of books about persuasion and most of it's related to sales, right? Um, and it's more like, you know, getting down and, and discussing all the different techniques and and the psychology and the biases in the brain and and how people are are using these things to you know basically warm you up to the idea <laughs> yeah. of of buying something right so yeah. is that sort of what you're talking about is like I think it is I, okay. I think it's more I would focus if I were to say the end goal of persuasion understanding persuasion right right is helping people get to the point where they convince themselves that Whatever it's you a have, idea. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you have, your idea, you, uh, your cause, your idea, whatever it is, you're you're trying to to project. Them to. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is right. that you have the ability through, you know, multiple strategies and skill sets mm. to ha- help them persuade themselves. That's the most powerful persuasion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. You know, because if you do it the other way, they're gonna immediately feel not they're not going to feel right throughout the whole process and it's not going to be a fruitful relationship or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've learned this, this other thing because there's, there was uh, an, an one on one of my other guests <clears throat> was like, he learned after doing sales wrong for a long time <laughs> that uh, what was it? It was uh, building relationships and being honest. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. I was hmm. like, Hmm, <laughs> That, you know, and I was like, hmm, because that's kind of what I wanted to do. And he's like, no, yeah. that doesn't really work. You have to you have to know the words. You have to know the strategies. You have to know where their where their psychology is at. And you have to, you know, walk them through the process, like what you were just talking about, of having them realize that you you are trying to help them and, and you've got a good idea and you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from uh, focus and confidence. That's the sure. other thing that I oh, yeah. that I've learned as well, which is it's been a it's a constant problem today in today's world. Focus, but I think if people can focus, they're going to get that confidence to be able to sell. And uh, so, for instance, yesterday we have a, a part of our offering is we have a quick start package, which is one on one consulting, where I, I liken it to like riding a bike with content curation. We're going to start you with training wheels, but by the end, you're going to win the Tour de France, right? Whoa, nice. So uh, it's one-on-one consulting, and, and we uh, we don't allow anybody just to buy it. We have to have a conversation. And I was talking to someone yesterday, and and see, I have the confidence to, to say, look, uh, you, what if we were to do this, we would be putting fuel on a fire that doesn't exist. So this isn't a fit for you. Uh, where I could have oh, went right, the other right. direction and, right. and definitely just, I could have just said, yeah, this will work, you know, but my, uh, my confidence and, and just understanding the, the nature of persuasion and value really came from, look, plus I wouldn't feel right anyways. So it right, was right. first a business decision, but it's just more of uh, having a confidence and focus of like, look, this isn't a fit. 
So while we could move you through the sales process and most likely close the sale here, uh, it's really not the right thing to do. There's the right thing to do is let's see if we can provide value another way and then get you to the point where maybe this might be a fit. Right. So no, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the folks that are selling like uh, um, the training, you know, the information kind of sort of like, you know, learn how to build your email list and, uh, you know, learn how to change your career or, you know, I know they're thoroughly invested in you winning, but they're, uh, you know, I, I guess they don't have as much what you're talking about clarity and or focus to know who to filter out. I, I guess it would be harder in, in a lot of instances to know, you know, and the, I guess you just have a money back guarantee. <laughs> Yeah, I if think this that, doesn't I mean, work, then I, you, I've you sold information products as well. So, right. you know, I think the challenge is, is that ultimately it comes down to people's personal responsibility. Right. Yeah. So like you can give I can give you I can give you all the information I can. We can I tell you how to market yourself, build authority, do content right, curation, right. do content marketing, do call to actions. But if you it takes it, you. Yeah. yeah, it takes you to sit down and focus and make it a habit. Right. A, you know, there, if there's two things, this is the other thing that's interesting that I've learned uh, because of my product and where I'm at, we get a, a wide swath of people and we get to see kind of their hopes and dreams. Right. Uh, right. You get every, it, like a blogger, right? And yeah, yeah right. A, a blogger to a nonprofit, to someone that's trying to, to make money online, to someone that has an idea, to a coach, to a real estate. I mean, our, we've been around four plus years which We've is seen forever now. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so, and of course we track activations of our product and everything. So we, we actually, I, I get a report every week of all new signups, their websites, uh, you know, even stuff down to social profiles and everything else. And I take 45 minutes a week to look at that. And wow. so I get to see kind of, I, I go back and sometimes see the hopes and dreams of people. Um, and I think if there's, one thing that I would say that would that would help people above all else is number one focus. I, I see a lot of people are not focused on one thing and and making that one thing successful. And I can share kind of how it worked in our business. Oh, sure. Yeah. But then also habit. You know, it's about in it's today's more about world, process, right? Is that where your habit? It's just like yeah, go ahead. No, I wouldn't okay. even say it's about pro. It's it's. What wins in today's world, no matter what, is focus and consistency. Mm -hmm. If you can right. consistently show up on what you're focused about building authority or what you're focused on doing, you're going to do better than 90% of the people out there. Right. Just because in this modern era and even the next generation that's coming up, uh, their focus on a core thing, idea, goal, uh, is very hard because they've got a phone, they've got a tablet, they've got maybe right. an iWatch, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they've got, <laughs> they've got other so things. many million distractions. It's fragmented and then, attention, right? Yeah. And I heard this in an interview yesterday. Uh, you know, th these companies, these tech companies, they're not really in it. I mean, they're designing psychology triggers to make you hooked. So Snapchat's right. a good one with their, with their streaks, right? If you have a teenager or, or even a younger, uh, adult, uh, you know, that, uh, that Snapchat is where they're at. And basically they've 
they've induced the ability for you to show up every day to have your streak because if you don't, there's shame to it, and it's embedded <laughs> into the wow. the culture of the youth. Wow, um, that is next level evil. A little, <laughs> yeah. So it's getting. I mean, wow. I was actually happy with my. I have a, a freshman daughter in yeah. high school, and and she was. She, I was actually happy to hear from her this last week. She said, "Look, I don't. I'm not." checking on streaks anymore i don't care you know i'm focused on her. tennis and yeah i'm like great wow. oh, I'm, I'm glad you you kind of realized it yourself head out of the bucket yes yeah <laughs> it is so dangerous i had a buddy who is like a real successful blogger and um he he was on my show and he talked about facebook and how how all those social sort of like the psychological Im- embedments you know that they that they do you know where you're always sort of like get that little like psychological itch to go check your notifications and your likes and stuff. He's like, I just had to shut it off because at the end of the day, I really didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. <laughs> exactly. And that's, yeah. And that that's, and so when I see this 10,000 foot overview of the hopes and dreams, right. You know, if there's one, th- if, if anybody's, we haven't talked about the product or curation or anything else, but if, the, if you bought our product, my number one advice is, yeah, it's a great product. It does what it, says we i don't build our products to sit on the digital shelf collecting dust uh right. we build it for it to be used but right. if there's one thing that i there's two things which was number one put it in your schedule that you're going to do the end result which is publishing mm-hmm. and then focus on that and make it a habit uh if if you schedule time with yourself a half hour 8 30 in the morning whatever time you have it doesn't matter yeah and and you make it happen, you're going to be at 90% more than what most people are in today's day. And when I say focus, I mean put your phone in a drawer, shut right. down everything else, shut down your email, and focus on that one task. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's made the biggest change in my business and everything we accomplish uh, is just it's focusing. It's pretty rare that, ab- yeah, that people – yeah, and then you know, the other thing I think that you're, you're getting at is um, – you're kind of like, uh, well, maybe you, maybe you are, maybe you're not, but there's this idea and it's, uh, that I read about in Scott Adams book, the, the Dilbert guy, he wrote a self-help mm-hmm. book of all things. Uh, yep. it's hilarious, <laughs> but he was just like, I think his, his byline was something like goals are stupid, right? Yeah. Um, so instead of having a goal to post or, or publish so many pieces of curated content a week, you know, build a process or what you're calling a habit and put it on your calendar and just do it, right? And every time you run through your your habit, you give yourself a little, you know, yay and move on, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a process, right? And, and you win regardless of what happens with that content, right? You're not, exactly. you're not worried about like some sort of growth or anything else or are there some other kind of sort of like it might happen metric, right? It's just, exactly. I'm focused on doing the thing that I'm in control of. Well, that's an example. I, I have, I have three or four, I have about five or six actually unfinished novels. And one right. of the things <laughs> five I was, or six. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I've got, I could show you my bookshelf of, uh, probably 30, how to write books, you know, how to write a novel books, you know, all tips yeah. and everything else. Right. And here's the only thing that matters actually, uh, is, I, the only way a book gets done is if you write. So, <laughs> yeah. 
(laughs) Sounds so simple, right? Yeah. And all these books, they all have these different tips and everything else. But the bottom line, what it really comes down to is, did you write today? And do you have your first draft? Right. That's, that's all. So really it's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, some strategies help, but ultimately what I realized is I said, if this is a goal I want, and this is something that I really want to do, uh, I need to sit down every day and write 2000 words, you know, a thousand to 2000 words a day, regardless of what's going on. That's what needs to happen. That's the, so I think, you know, that's, that's a really good, I mean, it's a good metaphor and a lot of things and how to do it today. Yeah. Well, I've always kind of hated goals, so I liked it. I mean, you still have a goal, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about, but the thing that I like about it is, is, um, when you uh, when you don't meet a goal that was maybe like a stretch or something else, then you're gonna feel. It's just the psychology of the whole idea, if you know what I'm talking about, right? When you have like a traditional goal set up, and let's say you miss it, then you're gonna feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. And if if you even when you reach a goal, right, then you have to set yeah. a new goal, and you're never you never get to be happy. You never get to celebrate the win because you're always it's what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So I like the whole, like, make a little habit. And every time you do that habit, you've won. <laughs> no, I think that's yeah, great. I think, right. I think the other thing that you're kind of subtly mixing in, and this isn't, you know, I'm, 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 I'm anti-guru. I'm anti kind of, I, I don't like the woo-woo self-help stuff. I've never have. I just feel it doesn't, I don't need it. So it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't need a vision board. Yeah, no. I, I've never done that stuff either. I you do know, like but, meditation. But usually yeah. that positive woo-woo stuff is a little like uh, gets old really quick. Yeah, but I, I agree. I like medication too because there is I get a huge benefit from it and everything else. So I'm into Did that you say stuff. say medication or meditation? Both. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, not medication. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, me neither. But uh, I barely even drink these days. But um, Good for you. You know, it, it is um, – I think that the thing that these and, – and I see it every day uh, too – is that I think that what's not pushed enough that uh, even you see these things on how you can learn from so-and-so Zuckerberg, you know, to be rich, how you can do this, how you can be right. successful. Right, right. I think what's not pushed enough, which I think would be a big help for people to self-realize, is that it doesn't matter. Find what works for you. It, you know, right. if right. getting up at 2.30 in the morning and doing, you know, these six things so that you accomplish what you want to accomplish works for you. Uh, that works for you. You know, now when you get successful, there's going to be someone that is interview you. And then they're going to say, this one tip will ensure that you accomplish all your goals. And then and you'll be cool. saying, you know, and it, that worked for that one person. Right. I, I think when you start, I've been around, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of successful people. And what I've really noticed is that, yeah, there's some common traits, but they're themes. Their themes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But they've also worked within, they've made the world kind of adjust to them or they've adjusted the world to them, I guess is the way to say it. They right. figured out what worked for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's not, that's the other thing that I think that you should, you should give yourself permission to say this works for me and it doesn't matter. And for sure, it doesn't matter it, if it works for anybody else. Yeah, it's like the the Dilbert guy. Like you said, setting goals, he thinks it's BS. It doesn't work. Well, right. you know, for some people, they have to have a written goal. They have to look at right. it every single day. Right. You know, they have to be reminded of it. It's what you like. 
Yeah. It, what, whatever works for you. Yes. Amen. <laughs> anyway, who, who would think that taking advice from a, a, a famous cartoonist would be a good idea? But I really like that book. <laughs> yeah. And when he's really in this last election cycle, he's really kind of come up in, in oh, you right. know, persuasion and stuff and everything else. I oh, mean, so I, you read some of that stuff that he talked yeah. about with Trump and the persuasion stuff? Yeah, I think it's I, I agree with some of it and some of it, you know, I think it's, it's, it's always, you know, what I like is that I think it's, he's always well thought out and, and coming from someone that knows what he's talking about, in right. my, my opinion. Right, right. So, well, he, um, he, one of the things that I really dug was that he talked about how people are never rational. Right. And like they pretend to be they're occasionally logical and ra- uh, rational about things that aren't important. But most of the time they're thoroughly emotional and irrational and then they rationalize it after the fact yeah and they don't even know they're doing it they think they're completely rational all the time mostly yeah Yeah. so once you know that sort of like realization took hold it really did change my life because (laughs) you're right i mean because that's huge when you realize it well i'm kind of that way but then also that means everybody else kind of is and so i need to play to that or not play i guess i need to it's, yeah, why persu- play to it's that. why persuasion works. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, everybody else knew this. <laughs> and I was the idiot until I was 48 years old or however old I was when I read the book. You know, uh, you know, I'd learned bits and pieces of it, but I was still banging my head against the wall in this advanced age of 47 or whatever I was about why people are never rational, you know. Oh, well, maybe they weren't meant to be, or who cares? Yeah. It just, they're not, you know? So yeah. it's just a big aha moment for me. Oh, exactly. Well, those come, I think those come throughout life. So I, I'm still getting those and I still go, oh, geez, I wish I would have known that even two minutes ago. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, you never stop learning. So yeah. uh, occasionally you still enjoy the Zen-like flow of developing when you have time. So, so do you still like do, what sort of coding do you do? So I built the first version of Curate. I actually built a traffic called Cura- Curation Traffic. So okay. we were running a digital agency at the time, and uh, I was had a daily podcast called Defining New Media, 15 to 20 minutes. And it took me, even if I outsourced it, it took me 20 or 30 minutes to kind of get everything together to publish. And I just said, you know, it's got to be quicker. And I went to a developer, and I said, here's what I want to build, a curation tool that does this. And uh, came back and said, it's not possible. And I was a developer. I said, I know it's possible. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to build it. So I built it on a weekend, put it on the market wow. on Monday. So this is curation traffic. That now, was we your, already had your, your MVP, the, your minimally viable product. Yeah, and it was it was a uh, it was um you know it was it, we had an audience already. We were already doing content marketing, blogging, and everything else. Was doing the podcast. So put it on the market on Monday, and it sold Monday, and you know wow. continued to sell. Wow. And that means it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you don't you know, need to B test. You you've got something that works uh, right out the gate. Then you've got something, right? It's yeah, pretty rare. And, well, and, and I, that's what I. I mean, that's how we launch products now. Typically, is we just I, I have this idea, and you know we kind of create it, and then we we beta launch it, and it does well or it doesn't. We've had one failed product launch out of I think seven that we've done. So not bad. Um, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. So. You know, and, and what we were, so we were about a year into it, maybe a little bit less. We had this thing called curation traffic out there doing pretty well. And then we were still doing consulting and we didn't, I didn't really enjoy the consulting we were doing. I enjoyed it, 
but we overcommitted ourselves on everything and I didn't see a way out of it. And I remember saying to the small team we had and my partner at the time, you know, if we're so smart on this marketing stuff and we think we know what we're doing, why don't we just shutter all the consulting and let's just, I think there's something with this curation thing, but this curation traffic is, it's wrongly pitched. It's pitched in an internet marketing way. It's, you know, it doesn't have the features it wants, but I think there's an opportunity here for growth uh, and there's space here. I said, I've got an idea for a curation suite and here's the vision. I said, if we're so smart, let's just shut off everything and just focus. This we're focused. This is the first time in my business life I've been, you know, in real estate and everything else where focus, I learned the value of focus is when we were doing 10,000 different things with you, branding, consulting, other stuff, uh, selling information products. But when we shuttered everything and just focused on curation suite, um, that drastically changed everything because uh, we had a core focus. We said, this is this the, what we need to build authority on. This is what we need to build value on. And I built the first version of curation suite. And, you know, there's something, I don't know if there's other coders that are listening or anybody that's coded, but what I find when I code, I get into like this Zen like state of like nothing. There's a sense of accomplishment. You're figuring out an idea. Sometimes it gets challenging. Sometimes you actually hit yourself in the head and say, okay, well, I got to be smarter than the code because you did something stupid. But there's, there's this whole process that you go through and you kind of get into this zone right. uh, that I've, that I've yet to been able to find. Well, I found with a couple other things, I figured out how to put myself in that zone. But coding was the first zone that I could get in that was focus. Um, and I still enjoy it to this day. It's just the problem is, is that my value uh, goes beyond coding. Right. Um, right, right. You know, so even the next iteration of what we're building now, I spent a weekend kind of learning it enough that I could speak to developers and tell them, you know, here's what needs to be done. Right. Uh, so that's I'm the benefit I have. <laughs> yeah. I'm and, right. and ordinarily right. I would have just said, you know what, I'm just going to do it because I want to learn this. And, and this is a skill set I don't have. But then I thought, you know, where do I need to be placed value wise in then where you we're going? Would be, you would be working in the business and not on the business. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Wow. So, so, you know, what I had an idea uh, was. Are you a fan of Tim Ferriss at all? I know you don't like gurus, but I like Tim Ferriss. Yeah, you know, I guess I'm not a uh, the wrong way. Is I'm not a fan of gurus. It's just I'm uh, the woo woo. That's the oh, I don't know gotcha. the right word. So you don't like uh, Deepak Chopra, or Wayne Dyer, or those those guys? I actually do like Deepak Chopra. <laughs> <laughs> He's very woo woo, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Here's what I don't. I don't like feel like I'm in a cult. That's what oh. I don't. Okay. So, you know, okay. going to like a, a, a meeting. A Tony Robbins thing. Yeah, Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins stuff is great. You know, you actually you just I don't want to go not, to his, uh, his cult-like meetings. Yeah, I just don't. I, it just makes <laughs> me feel very. a good idea. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it, it. I know people get enjoyment out. I'm not knocking it. But for me, it just makes me feel very. I don't get it. I don't get anything from it. And I just feel like, okay, this is weird. Okay. Uh, so. I love Tim Ferriss. His stuff oh, is the okay. four-hour work week. You know, yeah, a lot yeah. of his things changed my thinking. Right. Uh, I don't think anybody works four hours, and even if they did, no, I don't think. No, no, no. That's, a, that's the, yeah. He'll 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 BS you forever. I think it was just a marketing thing. Um, yeah. But you know, he'll he'll defend it forever. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, no, he does this thing where he does. It's called the five bullet five bullet Friday. Yep. 
And I get that every day, you get every that, Friday. You get it every Friday. Isn't yeah. that, that's like a manual version of curation, right? Or am I getting that wrong? No, that is, that's exactly, this is the thing about curation is that everybody, every, doing it. everybody doing is it, doing right. it. They're just not yeah. calling it curation. Right. Uh, they're calling it reporting or they're just sending out a roundup. So I would consider that a roundup email of right. the top five bullet points. And usually it's an interview it's or stuff that quick. he found interesting. Right, 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 right. You know, and, and the, the reason why curation, this is a, so really there's three type of people that are, are probably listening, which is people that let's assume you believe in content marketing and inbound marketing, right? So you've either tried it in the past and it didn't work. You've never tried it or you're a seasoned content marketer and all three of those people curation can work because it's the quickest form of content you can do because it's stemming from another source, either a video, an image, a story. Uh, it could be a a blog post, a podcast, a podcast. It could be a single gif. It could be a comment. So I did a curation last week that converted to sales. That was a comment I saw on the verge. I curated a comment I saw on The Verge. A comment, and not not a, a post. Not a post. A I, I was, I was So <laughs> okay. Apple just released their, you know, they did their iPhone 10 okay. release or whatever. And I'm a, I'm not a total Apple fan fanboy, but I have an iPad, iPhone. Uh, I'll get an iWatch here and then also Apple TV, but I just can't go the computer route. So, oh, I'm with you on that, yeah. So... Uh, they announced it and I saw a comment in The Verge about uh, there was a funny comment and it's a curation is basically the guy said, you know, the, you know, does this does this face recognition mean that my twin can actually unlock my phone? And, you know, his and someone said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, well, you know, the problem is my twin's evil, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Everybody so, has an evil twin. Yeah, Usually exactly. Their name is Wayne. And my curation was simple it was like, you know. Uh, this this um, comment of the day for the iPhone X goes to. So it was a kind of a clickbaity headline. But you would say, what's that about curation? What is that about content marketing? What does that have to do with about anything? And my commentary was basically, hey, Apple announced the iPhone X. It has this face ID thing. The best write-up I've seen is The Verge. And the comment, the best comment that you'll read all day about it is this. And I screen captured the comment. Um, and you would think, well, what how does that fit into your business? How does that, how does that convert? How did you get email subscribers? How did we actually, our sales cycle is usually, I'd say 18 to 48 to 72 hours, uh, for most people that are highly interested in our product, but we got an immediate sale from someone. And the data I used to back that up was, uh, 39% of our audience comes from an, uh, Apple device. Right, right, right. So there's an intersect between, interest level in an apple because they use it and and there's it's a weak intersect but there's an intersect enough where we could attract some of our the audience that would be interested in our product or at least get awareness yeah you know um so that's a good example of like something you would think that's not a curation simple and easy to do it took me literally six minutes to do it and you know, we we promoted it on Facebook. We promoted it on Twitter, paid promotion. We promoted it on social, on social, other social channels. We promoted it on content networks. We did all this stuff on a simple 200-word screen capture of a post. That, and we did it because it converted. So yeah. that that's 
that's an advanced content curation thing, but right. that, <laughs> that's the idea. Just, yeah. But that, that idea of, of the comment didn't originate for me. It was easy to do because I saw something funny that made me chuckle. And I said, how could I, how could I attach this to the value that we provide? How could I, how could I ensure that I'm sharing this in a way that's valuable? Someone will get a chuckle, but it'll also subtly, uh, reinforce the value that we provide in the product that we create. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I, I, and the other thing that I was thinking about, and, and if I'm totally off, just tell me to shut up. <laughs> but the internet is just so damn big. So cur- curating is, is basically um, helping people find stuff that might be cool. Because, exactly. Right. And... You know, the metaphor that I came up with was I can't get my dad to watch Netflix when I'm not there. And I think (laughs) I know why. (laughs) Well, first off, he still has cable. And when you watch cable TV, you've got your five favorite channels and you watch what's on. That's Mm -hmm. that's curation because he's already picked his five favorite channels. And one of those he's going to sit there and he's 78 or 79. So he'll pick his favorite one and then take a nap. That's how he curates his television watching, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the internet works completely differently. <laughs> exactly, because you have everything. There's at your everything, but you need to focus that attention down to five favorite channels so you can just do what you want to do for real and relax or get a little laugh or maybe learn something or whatever it is that you need. You know, it's it's obviously you're probably we're not talking to. 78 year olds taking naps right now, but you get it, you know, it's different. So we need something well, that, like the guide, you know? And that's why it's the easiest form. Securation isn't a, isn't a separate box of content. It's just a, it's like a list post or an infographic. Right, 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 it's just right. another type of content. Yeah. And the, the, it's the easiest because like my example of the iPhone, I'm launching off another idea. I don't have to think about what am I going to write about? I just have right. to think about really the <laughs> true value of curation. Funny. Right. Yeah. The true value of curation is, are you reinforcing the value you provide to your market? Uh-huh. Uh, and, and that's a subtle thing. But if you, if, if you actually embrace that, then really it opens up every, you can publish anything. If you can relate something you see to your market in a way that reinforces your value and your value, when I say value, you could be selling a service or a product or you could be trying to run an entertainment website and your value is just, value is just entertaining people or sharing people the latest Kardashian thing, whatever's going on, right? Right. That could be your value. But are you reinforcing your value in what you're you're curating or publishing? Right. That's that's a key. I think the other key, and this is something that often people ask is is, well, there's two things, which is I don't have anything to curate. I can answer that question here in a second. But if there's one mind shift I would give to people that would help people if they're having any challenge with digital marketing or, or, or inbound marketing or conversion is stop thinking. If you're thinking about traffic at all, generating traffic, how do I generate traffic? Your focus, right? Traffic should, is, yeah. Should be audience. How do I build an audience? Right. When you do that, when you focus on an audience, then it will change your thinking and everything you publish. It will change your thinking on how you interact in social media. It will change your thinking on how you distribute your content. If you focus on an 
audience and building an audience, that's something you can monetize. You can monetize an audience. And and the, uh, the, I liken this to like the, uh, nighttime news. I'm sure they still do that. I haven't watched TV in a while, but they do you know, they still you, have nighttime news. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three to five channels and they all mention the same stories, right? Right. And, and you would say, well, how can they do that? Well, they do that because they each have their individual audience. Right. So they need to feed their individual audience. So it works the same way for you and whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to get out to the world, you have to build an audience and you can share the same stuff. You can do the same stuff because your perspective that you're adding, your commentary that you're adding to that that curation is why people are tuning in. Right. It's and your, I've seen this it's with, your channel and it's your audience. Right. And I've seen this with, uh, you know, you talked about uh, Tim Ferriss and his five points. I've seen him share stuff, and then I subscribe to a lot of emails. Um, and every now and then I'll come across, like, him sharing kind of the same stuff that someone else is sharing, right? right. Doesn't and I don't matter. know if they—yeah, it doesn't matter because they have individual audiences, right? Right, right. Uh, so it's—that's— I, that's one of the kind of higher level tips that I give to people if they're having any struggle of trying to how to figure out the the digital marketing minefield. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, and like from a podcasting standpoint, you know, that would be an interesting way to sort of like, like every every time I have a show, right, there is a whole world of stuff that each guest has, right? So my blog, po- the blog post that goes with each show is like a miniature curation, right? It's a, yep. it's like seven little bullet points of stuff we talked about. It's got links and things like that, you know? Um, so that that's definitely something for podcasters to think about too. Yeah, I think that th- that's the, I think you could do a, I mean, the easiest podcast is do a daily podcast where you curate the top stories in your market or your niche or what right. you're talking about. Right, right. You know, okay. and, and just do that consistently and start tracking and, no, you'll find today if you're if you're passionate about something and you're consistent, you can build an audience. Uh, you know, right. the, if That's if true. you have any teenagers around younger, younger than preteens, their stars are not movie stars or musicians. Yeah, PewDiePie. <laughs> yeah, they're YouTube stars. I mean, I've took my yeah. daughter. We live next to the Mall of America. So a lot of like these YouTube stars come to the Mall of America here in Minnesota. Mm. Um, and, you know, she's. Got gone out there, and, and and every one of them are YouTube stars. They're you know right. not everyone, but most of them are YouTube stars. Those are their stars today. Right. And all if you if you track down those those YouTube track down, it's not like I'm stalking them. But if you, <laughs> if you if you watch these YouTube stars, they build an audience and they have yeah. their own niche, oh, and yeah. they're just passionate about what they do. That's they've tapped into the technology that exists today. That I think a lot of the people that are of an older generation that. They they kind of get, but they they're reluctant to tap into. But you can tap into it with stuff like curation, content marketing, podcasting. Uh, but if you re- if you start the, the the great thing about starting with curation is because it's so easy, is it builds your muscle towards building a habit to creating content. Right. So that's the other the other kind of plug I would give for anybody that's saying, well, I okay, I know my back on my mind inbound marketing content marketing will work, but how do I get started? Mm. Curation is the perfect way to get started because the idea is already there. It's the quickest way to do cu- cu- content. And it's, uh, it's building the muscle you need to get into the habit of creating content. Cause you'll find as you do curation, you want to do more cause you'll get 
traffic results and everything else. Right. And then, yeah, there's still value in doing a podcast, doing unique content. There's still tremendous value in there. Then you would mature into doing that. Right. No, I get it. You know, and what you say about consistency as we wrap up here, because we're getting close to the hour mark. Um, I've been at this podcast. I started my first podcast. Well, let's say I started in 2014. It was a different show. I scrapped that show. So this show has been uh, consistent every Monday uh, without fail. It might have been a rerun, but without fail uh, since 2015. And mm. a ton of those folks that started in, started with me in 2014 are gone, you know. So consistency pays, you know, it, even if, you know, your show's a shit show. Maybe mine isn't. Maybe it's not. But consistency pays off because I can see my uh, now I'm, I'm going to say traffic because mm, that's the only measure I have. But yep. it's it's consistently growing. You know, so consistency does pay off. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, for the longest time, we consistently sh- threw shit against the wall. <laughs> right. And Sometimes. Just, uh, yeah. Right. You know, and we just spit powered through it helps. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you go back and look at the history of us early one year, first year, two year mark of curation suite, you just see all all over the map because we were just throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what works. But we showed up every single day. Right. We showed up. So yeah. it's like, it's like, well, you're either going to pay attention to me or you're going to completely turn me off. Right. And you're going to get some kind of value or not, but you're going to see me. I'm going to be there. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's There's power in that. There, it's true. It, that, did, did you ever hear the, uh, uh, in the army, did, did you ever hear the term wag? Uh, no, don't know that, that uh, what's the term? Wag for the... is wild ass guess. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the boss would come in and go, uh, you know, you, I know you don't know, but give me a wag. Yeah. <laughs> and then you would go, uh, can I take five minutes to develop my wag? And he's like, take 10. And then you'd have to go and report your wag. Uh, That's not something I want to hear from <laughs> artillery or the Air Force. It's like, where do I drop these bombs? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Let's figure over, that out. Yeah, over there somewhere, I think. <laughs> Where's the bad guy? Uh, can you give me a wag? <laughs> yeah. Scott, this has been great. So if people want to touch base with you, they can like, check you out at curationsuite.com. Is there any other places where they can connect with you that you want to share? No, that's the best place. You'll find, if you dive in, you'll find everywhere to get in touch with us. More places than you probably want to get in touch with us there. <laughs> Roger that. This has been a blast, Scott. I appreciate you hanging out with me. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome show. Had a great time. All right. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.